Welcome to Waypoints, the podcast of fly fishing travel, with helpful travel tips, news and events, destination profiles, great stories, and expert advice from seasoned and experienced traveling anglers. This is your backstage pass to the world of fishing travel. Waypoints is fueled by adventure and brought to you by Yellow Dog Fly Fishing, a hands-on specialty travel and booking company that delivers the industry's very best insider knowledge, logistical support, and trip preparation. Freshwater or saltwater, international or domestic, Yellow Dog has you covered. And now your host, Yellow Dog founder and director, Jim Klug. Ocean Active Fly is the first fly fishing operation established in the Middle East, a company dedicated specifically to catch and release fly fishing trips in one of the most unusual places on the planet. My guest today is Nick Bowles, the owner and founder of Ocean Active, and hands down one of the most cutting edge adventurous anglers in the game. Nick has spent the past 15 years pioneering new fisheries, chasing new species, and raising the bar on destination angling, all in areas that few people would naturally equate with fly fishing. Nick, thanks so much for being here today. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here, and uh, yeah, uh, happy to uh, be discussing Dubai and Amman and what we do, and yeah. Well, you flew the all the way in from the Middle East just to sit with us here today. That's impressive. Yeah, and we flew in, of course, to <laughs> sit with you, but... Um, we we will attend the IFTD, which is uh, which is just a sideshow to this. Eh? There you go. That's great. <laughs> well, uh, you're based in Dubai, which has to be hands down one of the most unusual, modern, and surreal cities on the planet. Whenever I'm there, I always feel like I'm on the set of Blade Runner or some futuristic sci-fi movie. I mean, is there any place like Dubai out there? Yeah, I mean, I've traveled a lot, but uh, Dubai. I mean, obviously, it's a home, but it. Still, 15 years later, just wows us. Sort of every day, there's new buildings new things happening, the bigger, the better, you know, so it's, it's quite an amazing place. And a lot of people turn around after they've been there a day or two and just said, you know, this is an adult's Disneyland, you know, it's, 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 it's pretty like it. No, it's just, it's, I mean, everything's new. So everything's built and structured and planned, you know, in the last 10, 20 years. So it's, it's like nothing else. And you've been there 20 years now. You've been living there with your family. Yeah, pretty much 20 years. Um, next, next year will be 20 years for us. And when we arrived there, there wasn't too much around there was no palm islands there was no you know it was it was obviously great buildings and there was a you know a great economy building but yeah i know we've watched it grow and it's It's just exploded yeah no it's been incredible yeah Yeah. well before you moved to the set of blade runner uh clearly you you grew up in south africa uh and you got your start in the fishing world as a young man tell me a bit about that and and how you found your way to fly fishing yeah so um I, i was actually born in the uk and um uh, moved to South Africa at a young age. Um, my grandfather was a very big salmon fisherman. So he used to um, do a lot of salmon fishing in Norway and Scotland. So, you know, he was um, had concessions up in Scotland on some of the salmon rivers. And, um, you know, when we all moved to South Africa, he obviously continued that uh, sort of that heritage. And I was sort of brought into it at, at an early age and was all sort of bamboo initially. And you know, he'd be in his tweeds and I'd be in my sort of rugby shorts and rugby jersey. So it was, it was two different worlds obviously joining. And then my father's side, we did a lot of um, offshore fishing. So he did a lot of uh, sports fishing for South Africa and traveled around the world. So I had this sort of mix between traditional salmon and fishing and then obviously the more sort of big game style fishing for marlin and tuna and that. So yeah, that was sort of how we all started eh? That, that's that's quite an upbringing. And you mentioned fishing in a rugby shirt. Is that is that a thing in South Africa? Is rugby anything over there? Yeah, it's it's, uh, <laughs> it's uh, a small small game we play. It's, it's and, like uh, the religion of the country, isn't no, 100%. it? No, hundred percent. And obviously, the World Cup's going on now, so we're already planning. Uh, you know where we're going to watch on Sunday and where you're going to celebrate. Yeah, there you go. Celebrate. Yeah. Well, so you had this great upbringing. Um, born in the UK, grew up in South Africa. And then Dubai. I mean, how did you end up in, in Dubai? Yeah, Dubai was, wasn't a place that I actually thought I'd sort of ever end up when uh, when I first sort of found out I was actually going to move there. I had to go and look on, I think Google had just started. So I had to go and Google it where Dubai was. And the next thing I Googled was uh, Dubai fishing. And uh, they had a, a, actually a very good sail fishery um, back, back when we first got there. But um, I ended up in Dubai. My sort of girlfriend then, now wife, um, took a job with Emirates. So we're living in the UK. Um, she moved back to South Africa because her visa had expired. Um, I carried on sort of working in the UK and the opportunity came in Dubai and she was there for a year and 
a year later, it was, uh, you know, I moved over. And as I said, I Googled uh, Dubai fishing and it was good fishing, a lot better than uh, London. So, you know, packed my bags and moved across and it was supposed to be a three to five month holiday. And I'm there 20 years later. So I consider myself still on holiday. And raising a family there. Yeah, so both and kids. Yeah, I mean it's just fantastic place for the kids. It's um, you know, we raised we both our kids are born in Dubai, um, ten years old and six, and you know it's just um, it's super safe. You know, everything's new. There's you know they've built this whole infrastructure around tourism, entertainment. You know, kids schooling is all private. You know, uh, British, you know, American, whatever. You know, schools you pretty much want to give your kids. So, you know, the upbringing there is, is great. And, you know, we've got access to all this water. And Dubai is, I mean, it's an, an amazing place and incredible, but it's just as incredible outside of Dubai. You've got this huge open deserts, the empty quarters, you know, Amman, um, all these open beaches and pretty much a lot of unexplored places. So, yeah, it's it's been an amazing journey. So you found out you're moving there, right? Like, like so many fishing guides, you, you yeah. chased a girl, right? And that's how you, you ended up a common, common <laughs> theme in this industry. A tailing one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then, uh, and you knew that there was fish in there. So you're pretty fired up. You're like, okay, I can live there. It's not yeah. like, you know, you were going to be sent to, you know, the middle of, uh, you know, Nebraska or Kansas or something like that, where you're like, huh, where am I going to fish? But, uh, you get there. H- how did you begin that discovery process? Because there probably wasn't a lot written on, the fisheries in Dubai and what the opportunities were, you had to kind of go in there and crack the code a little bit. How did that process go? Yeah, it was it was an interesting journey, and we we've sort of everything's grown organically. And I, I think the one thing that I always you know count my lucky stars is we we've been given an opportunity where I think there's not many places in the world you'd have an opportunity like this to sort of I wouldn't say start an industry because that's sort of going a bit over the top, but to actually start something and build it. As, as you wanted, yeah. Um, so when when we arrived in Dubai, there's um, there was, as I said, a great sale fishery, which was was fairly well recognised. Um, there was a couple of operators there that ran ran a good operation, and um, obviously targeting offshore, you know, live baiting, um, pulling uh, plastics, that type of thing. So we got, we got into that quite a bit. Um, but there was this sort of small boys club that had all this information. Obviously, the guys had been there a long time. We were quite young. We were like 24, 25, you know, coming in there and, you know, we had a little boat and crappy gear and, you know, sort of, we, there was one beach bar that we all hung out at, you know, after fishing with, in the marina and um, we, we really battled to get information from them and um, the guys would give us a little bit here and there. It was like, you know, who are these whippersnappers, you know, and so, you know, over time, you know, we sort of started figuring out, you know, how to catch the sails and, you know, we got a little bit of help from them and um, so my sort of education background was marketing and advertising so i was like well i want to build a little website just to give out information on how what we're doing and how we're doing it because people started asking us they we bought a little boat and you know we'd go about 30 miles off dubai and we had a handheld gps and you know we started catching a few fish and um that's where ocean active basically started so we created a brand we created a name um it had this little website but what started happening is people started asking well can we come fish with you? Can you organize fishing for us? So we went to one of the operators and sort of said, well, um, you know, can we send you some charters? And the guy was like, yeah, if you send us charters, we'll give you a commission. So we're like, okay, cool. And did one charter a month, three charters a month, five charters, 10 charters. All of a sudden we're getting this you know, great bit of money coming in. We're like, well, let's buy a boat. So we, we can be doing this. Yeah, we can be doing this. And, um, and I set up uh, an old 86 Boston whaler with two, 150 two-stroke Yamahas. It wasn't environmentally friendly by any stretch of the imagination. And um, yeah, we we put our triggers on and our, our goal was to catch sails and fly. And um, between the period, which um, was 2005, when uh, we were catching sails to the 2000, it was April 2005 to October 2005, literally all the sailfish disappeared. Um, it was... Um, there was a couple of laws passed on the Iranian side for drift netting for long-tail tuna and kingfish. And the sailfish in Dubai were a separate subspecies to the East Coast sailfish, which is the Indian Ocean sailfish. So unfortunately, they literally got wiped out in, in, a, in a few months. So extremely sad because we didn't know what we had had at that stage. You know, we had this great sailfishery and, you know, it just disappeared overnight. Um, and then, you know, we had this boat and, you know, being South African and we grew up, you know, exploring, camping and, you know, going to sort of weigh out places and 
So we started you know, looking at charts, looking at maps, um, speaking to divers, um, getting any information from you know, local fishermen. And there's a place called Musandam, which is on the Arabian Peninsula, right at the top. It's actually borders into the Straits of Hormuz. Um, so we, we, we planned a trip up there and we had all the charts and we'd never been before and we'd planned a five-day trip. We we're going to literally sleep on the beaches and, and um, you know, just see what we what we found. And after the second day, I caught my first GT on fly up there. It was like maybe a, a six, seven kilo fish on a 10 weight and took me like 15, 20 minutes. And it was like, it was probably one of the most epic battles I've ever had. And uh, we landed this fish and, you know, then we realized, okay, well, these these GTs here and it's possible. And we started fishing and catching a couple and we started getting broken off quite a bit. So we went from, that was on a 10 weight, went to 12 weights. We got you know smashed up quite a bit and then we actually went onto spinning gear to try and actually land these fish um and then it turned out obviously you know after a few years Oman pretty much has the biggest average gt size that we know on the planet so we went very on, on a sort of journey down the the, the spinning side because we couldn't land them on fly and then um when we we got back to you know so the fly side with dubai and targeting you know, then we came back online and Oman, you know, chasing the GTs on fly and then milkfish, then, uh, you know, permit, then parrots, then. So it's just opened this whole fishery just through exploring and, you know, sort of seeing what was there. So it, it, it's been pretty, pretty amazing journey. And it's literally, we fish for one thing and another thing comes up and, you know, it's like, okay, well, let's deal with this. And, yeah, that's sort of how it's organically grown. And and there's not a lot of places in the world where you can continue to go through that discovery process as you're developing a fishery, which is, you know, it's getting harder to find these days. But let me ask you this, and, and I do want to talk more about Oman and, and what you've you've put in place there. But back to Dubai, uh, you first start out, you're fishing sailies, that fishery literally goes away, gets yeah. wiped out by netting. Yeah, you're still based in Dubai, and all of a sudden, queen fish. Yeah, you get turned on to, to queenies. Tell us a little bit about this fishery. Uh, a, it wasn't always there, yeah. um, and and then when it was, it kind of exploded. Um, most of our listeners probably aren't familiar with queenfish, so talk to us a little bit about the species. Describe it to us, and and why they call that area home. Yeah, so uh, the queenfish is is been sort of a like, like you see in the in in the comedies where a light bulb moment where. Literally, that was what it was. So we, we were fishing in Amman and, you know, obviously trying to chase all these big GTs. And we fished at home in Dubai and, uh, you know, it was a great fishery and we'd catch these queen fish in it. And then I had this uh, guy called Jeff Courier that um, somehow found me through a, an old post or something. And, you know, being Jeff, he was like, um, you know, I'm, I'm coming through from Seychelles or somewhere, you know, on one of these wild and wonderful trips he was on. And um, he was like, I, I want to come and catch queen fish. And I was like, no, 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 we, we can catch GTs in Oman. And, uh, you know, and he was like, no, no, I want to catch queenfish. So I was like, cool, no problem, we'll go out. And the first day, the engine, uh, we had an engine problem, so we didn't get out. Um, so now I'm like stressing and, you know, this is not going well and all that type of thing. And the second day we, we got out and um, it took a bit of time to find the, the queens. And uh, eventually we found them in front of the Burjil Arab and they were big fish. And Jeff caught his first fish and I, I've, I mean... In, in in the disco, I don't think I could throw moves like that. I mean, he was, you know, half-fiving and he was, I mean, this just seeing this guy who's done all this type of fishing, just being so happy catching this queen fish. Um, you know, and that was the light bulb moment. I was like, you know, and he was like, you've got to do this, you know, and, and that's sort of where, where a lot of it started. So the queen fishing in Dubai is, um, there, there's always been some queen fish there, but uh, what's happened is obviously Dubai has, you know, developed and built all these palm islands. So they've built three palm islands. Massive, like man-made Massive. islands. Atlantis, Atlantis, Dubai is based on, on, on the end of the palm. There's 36 five-star hotels being built on the breakwater around the palm. There's thousands of villas. Like, I mean, they, they go for like crazy amounts of money. You know, all who's who, soccer players, movie stars, you know, they all own these properties on the palm. Um, and they've got three of them. So only one's been developed fully. Then there's uh, another one which is bigger, which is undeveloped, and they, they're still developing a third. And they built them all. They've they pretty much built them all um, in different phases at the moment. Then they built the World Islands, which is, uh, I think it's 300 man-made islands, which is in, enclosed by a, a breakwater. So you, you had a coastline that was pretty much totally flat. Um, 
you know, and and they've built all this development. Um, and I always equate it to if you think how Dubai has been built above the water and people have come, they've built all this sort of marine, I suppose, infrastructure that's brought all the all the marine life under the water. Inadvertently, so, they they kind of created this entire reef structure that was not there previously. It wasn't there previously, and and it's one of the few times when I've, I mean, I like to refer to it as. You know, it's a development that has enhanced the environment. It, it, I mean, it's just built this massive fishery that, so you think about it, all these palms and fronds and the shallow water is, is basically, you know, they talk about the Great Wall of China, seeing it from space, the Great Barrier Reef, you see it from space. I mean, you see the palm islands from space. And, and if you haven't done this, Google it and look what, it, you know, the aerial view yeah. of these man-made islands. It's called, you know, Palm Island because it's shaped like a giant palm tree from above. And World Island is shaped like, you know, the globe the with the different continents. And it's it, until you see it, you can't believe that A, it exists, and B, someone would go, you know, have this vision and go to these lengths to create something like this. Yeah, I mean, the, the vision of, I mean, the, the ruler Sheikh Mohammed um, is, you know, has been incredible. And, and um, you know, it's to see it develop over 20 years has been very special. But to actually be involved with, you know, something that's a fishery that's been developed um it's not it was there were queen fish there before sure but not not to the level that it is now the bait fish because you think that these huge nurseries inside the palms where you know they grow and grow and get these huge uber shoals of bait that just move out of the palms and as they move out of the palms of course there's queen fish there's golden trevally there's kingfish cobia but 90 percent of what we fish for is queen fish and that and those populations have exploded in recent years because of this and then you get Courier who comes over and he's like, man, <laughs> these are awesome. And you're thinking, no, no, we, like they're not that big a deal. And you're like, he's, he said, yeah, they are a big deal. People will come here. They will make the trip to come and fish with you just to go after the queen fish. And that's now become a huge staple of Ocean Active and your business. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's like I said, for, for us, it was all about the GTs and we loved queen fish and it was great. And then to see it through someone else's eyes was was a revelation it really was and you know now when i look at them you know i see them obviously like i see any of the other great fish that we target the gts the permit that because literally they are super aggressive they got a large eye that's all all visual you know so all of our fishing is is floating lines uh you know uh, gurglers little clouses so it's all visual takes they jump, they, you know, they peel off line deep into the backing if it's a big fish. You know, they got this broad body. So, you know, it's a long fish, um, broad. It's quite a skinny fish, so very much like a jack type species. But the cool part is they don't try and reef you and smash you up. They'll fight clean. So, you know, you, you can you, you hook a big fish, you you pretty much know you've got a good chance at landing them. So the the great part that is for us is obviously you know, courier arriving, seeing all this excitement, going like, this is where it's at. And literally within a month, our whole sort of strategy had changed. And I mean, this is going back quite a few years. And um, now it's by far our biggest, you know, it is our biggest part of our business where we're, we're chasing queens. And obviously the, the great part is that um, Dubai is pretty much in the center of the earth in the sense of, you know, northern hemisphere, southern, east, west, and um, Emirates uh, Airlines flies to 150 destinations, and they all come to Dubai. So everyone's sort of, you know, coming into Dubai, business, you know, work-wise. Um, and of course, for us, the great benefit is, you know, working with Yellow Dog is everyone's uh, going to other destinations in the Indian Ocean Islands. And, um, you know, so we, we get people that arrive and um, maybe haven't done too much saltwater fly fishing. And, you know, we've got these queenfish that are aggressive, saltwater 10 weights, you've got a heavier rod, you know, you, you've, they're jumping, they're smashing you up. So, you know, the guys, they get, they get a good feel for it. And yeah, it's, uh, it's it, incredible. It's, it's such a cool destination. And as you mentioned, you know, we send a lot of people to the Seychelles, to Tanzania, um, you know, India, places like this to go chase exotic species. And it's become a staple of our exotics program. We're like, well, listen, you're likely going to fly Emirates and go to Dubai, spend a couple of days. It's a great way to break up the trip, but you can also fish. And people say, well, what are you talking about? We're like, no, no, it's not just like you're going to go out and fish, but it's legit. You can go out and, and get into queen fish. The two coolest things about queenies is, as you said, they jump when they're hooked. So they're a really cool fish, but the eat is also super visual. You're fishing with floating lines. You're casting out a, you know, a clouser type fly. 
and you're seeing those eats and those slashes and it's just it's an awesome experience it's a great game fish yeah i mean it's it's incredible fish i mean it, it's super aggressive it swims in shoals uh we found them by basically looking for the birds so you know it's all visual and uh, i like to call it organized chaos because you know a lot of the species you fish for your permit you know your salmon that i mean it, the pressure's on and you you miss one shot and you know it's game over for your trip possibly where the queenies we have that many shots that you know we're shouting and pointing and you know getting things wrong and you know striking and guys are trout striking and guys are striking too hard and breaking off and it it, it is organized chaos you know it's uh and and it's great and it really is a great intro into those uh, those end destinations so we we like to call dubai a value add destination where we're not we enhancing the trip so People are flying from the US, you know, it's a long way. You are basically jet lagged. You are like, you know, arriving here, sort of sitting today, you know, you sort of all 10 thumbs, you know, you you literally need that day to get over. And you've, you've paid a lot of money to go to, you know, a lot of these trips, you're taking time away from family, from work. Um, and I always say on your first day on a trip is always difficult because you forget your flies and you've, you know, put you bought the wrong size boots and you, you know, you've got a sinking line instead of a floating line. So generally we like to think that we iron out a lot of those, those little problems before you get to the end destination and, you know, working with yellow dog and, you know, the likes of Alphonse and, you know, um, you know, African waters and all, all these guys that are know their job, but we know a lot of them, you know, the guides, the people. So, you know, we, we like to look at it that we are link between, you know, the, the people coming, you know, briefing them and actually understanding what they want to do. So, you know, if someone wants to catch a certain type of fish, you're like, yeah, well, you know, this is what you should be looking at maybe a little bit. So you're sort of talking, just helping a little bit to get them into the trip. So, you know, for us, it's it's been a, definitely a game changer. And, you know, one of the big parts as well is the amount of people that we get to meet that come through and just great people. And, you know, people only there for one or two days. So, you know, you're meeting all these different people, they're staying in cool hotels, they're having a great time, loving it. And by the time they get to wherever they're going, they've already had a trip within a trip. So, yeah, there's there's a lot of uh, pros on on the whole Dubai side. So, like, what's a typical day on the water um, for your clients when they when they book a day of fishing with you? What does that look like? Yeah, so Dubai, the, the queens are quite interesting. So, they generally, they hunt by sight. They hunt from underneath. Um, so, if you see, they've got a very big eye and they've got a mouth that almost shapes up. Uh, similar to a top and type thing, but not as pronounced. So, you know, they they need the sun to start hunting. So when the sun comes up about an hour after sunrise, they start feeding on the surface. So they'll start blitzing, they'll start shoaling up, start balling the bait. They ball the bait a little bit like sailfish type, um, you know, sort of action. And then they'll feed pretty well until maybe mid to late morning. When the sun starts getting too high, then they don't, you know, they don't, like we don't want to look directly into the sun. They don't want to look directly into the sun anymore, and they pretty much go down. So our fishing is generally an hour after sunrise and then stops at about mid-morning. So all the trips are pretty much uh, four hours. We do push six-hour trips as well, but um, Dubai, I call, is also like a gentleman's fishing. So you wake up in a nice hotel, you know, you get picked up in a, a nice car, or you get picked up by the boat from the jetty, you go out fishing, you fish for, you know, four hours, go and catch a whole lot of fish, you're back for lunch, you know, have, have a nice lunch, uh, maybe have a sleep and then enjoy Dubai, you know, going up the world's tallest building, skydiving, uh, indoor skiing, you know, going to the sooks. So, you know, it's endless on what you can do. So literally in 24 hours in Dubai, you can, you know, do three, you do four, a lot. you can do a lot. And, you know, and, and plus you've caught fish. So, you know, it's, it's great. I think like 80 to 90% of the people we send over to the Seychelles now, we, we can't quite insist that they stop in Dubai, but it's heavily suggested because it's such a cool experience. And and the Queenies are a great game fish. Now, an operational question for you. I mean, having fished with you in Dubai, uh, you know, that area and, and the Middle East for that matter, it, it can be a bit security conscious. So it's not the easiest place to operate as an outfitter. I mean, there's a lot of rules and regulations you're dealing with. Yeah, I mean, it, it's... It, Dubai is obviously very pro developing business and, you know, uh, tourism is a very big part. So we work a lot with Dubai Tourism. Um, they were the ones that obviously sponsored our film for us and um, yeah, really great people. But also there is a lot of red tape you know, to opening a business, um, you know, being an expat and a Westerner. So you know, it took us quite a long time to you know, 
figure out the rights and wrongs. And because no one had done it before, what we were doing, there were structures for, let's say, commercial fishing. There were structures for uh, charters like yacht cruising. There was all these different structures so uh, and licenses, but there wasn't anything for sports fishing, fly fishing, anything to that that level. So, you know, we, we had to, it took us about two to three years to set up, um, you know, uh, getting into marinas, you know, birthing the boats, you have to have a birthing contract to get your license. And, you know, obviously there's a lot of money involved. And so, you know, it, we had to, we had to figure it out. We had a lot of help from, like I said, the likes of Dubai Tourism, Dubai Maritime City Authority, where every, there were these structures, but they were all very willing to help because this was something new. It was something that sort of is fishing based. Dubai traditionally, obviously was pearl diving, fishing and, you know, Bedouin in the desert. So, you know, it, fishing is, is a very big part of the Dubai culture. But fly fishing was no one had basically ever understood or heard of, and still to this day, people are like, isn't that what you do in rivers and you know things like that? So, well, you know, yes, but <laughs> but we do it here as well. So, yeah, yeah it, it was it was a it was a, a big uphill battle to you know figure it out, and you know we we've we've got it very nicely set up now that that it works, and you know we've got all the correct licensing in place, and you know it's not something that there's no gray areas. You you have to have all the documentation. You have to have the safety, and obviously being you know safety conscious, and a lot of people you know uh, seeing the Middle East as obviously how it's portrayed in you know, sort of news outlets, and that is 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 a big thing. So our our goal has always been to make ensure that obviously everything's safe, correct, and show people the best time. So when they walk away, they realize. You know, Dubai is actually a total, total different place to to what they actually thought of before they came there. Well, and and that's just it. I mean, I, I've now been there and, and fished with you several times. Uh, I, I have to say, I mean, Dubai is unlike any other destination in the world. I mean, aside from fishing, the city is incredible. I mean, you know, you write about it well in, in one of the descriptions that, that you put down on words, but the tallest skyscrapers, the fastest cars, the fanciest restaurants skydivers falling out of the air, the most exclusive resorts and clubs. Uh, you know, when people think of Dubai, fishing is about the last thing they envision. But not only is is the fly fishing great, right in the heart of Dubai, right in the middle of all this craziness, but there's so many amazing things to see and do there. And I I never even thought about that till I came and spent time with you and, and you were able to show me the city and all that Dubai has to offer. It is a very cool, one-of-a-kind place. No, it's definitely. I mean, I've, I've been lucky to fish in a lot of places, and there, there is no place that I've come that's come close to Dubai because Dubai is just Dubai. I mean, there's there's no place like it. And the, the great part is you've got sort of three million people that are most probably within a five kilometer radius of where we're fishing, and we will be the only people out on the water. And we'll be five hundred meters off Atlantis on the palm. We'll be two kilometers out from the seven star hotel, the Burj Al Arab, and we've got blitzing fish and you know, queenies and you know, hooking fish up and breaking off and people whooping. And, you know, we have had uh, one or two instances where we've all been almost cut off by super yachts coming past. And so it's just this very quirky type of fishing where the fishing is like anywhere that you'd go in the world, where it's the most remote place. It's, you know, in a city where there is action, it's fish and it's decent fish, you know, and you're going into your backing and you, you're getting broken off by uh, by fish and um you know, so that that's where it's in an urban setting, and certainly for myself, on all the exploring that I like, uh, you know, I'd like to do, going to you know, Socotra and Yemen, or you know, Tanzania, Oman, wherever it may be, these these places where we've explored, uh, you know, having what we got in Dubai is almost contradicts what I was always looking for, and literally the fishing that we got there is everything that we could hope for. You know, it's it's uh, it's truly spectacular. So one thing, I mean, obviously it gets hot as hell over there at certain times of the year. <laughs> and you talked about how a lot of the fishing packages are morning. You're you're up there right after the sun comes up. You kind of do a four-hour block. Typically, you have good action. You're into a lot of fish. You're you're hooking up and landing a good number of fish. And then you're kind of done. But tell us about the temperatures over there. Yeah, the temperatures are wild. Eh? I mean, that's uh, that's it, our summer. We pretty much uh, July, August um, is our two months that we we, we shut down. Um, you know, you got hundred, you know, in Fahrenheit like 110, 115, 120. So it, it is pretty hectic. You know, early in the season, late in the season, you know, it, it's pretty hot still. Um, you know, so it is nice to fish early morning. Um, you know, wake up nice and early, get out, fish, and when the temperatures start getting up, you know, we we come off the water. 
Um, yeah, and then you're obviously into the AC. And, and Dubai is built on heat of, to cope with the heat. So everything's AC'd, everything is air movement. So, you know, it, it's really, you know, you can tolerate it um, you know, at any time of the year, but uh, specifically during the season, which is our winter season, is, uh, is when our peak season is because our temperatures then are, you know, obviously very nice and mild. And, um, you know, then the fishing is pretty good. And you guys are operating about 10 months here. You, you don't operate in July and August, but other than that, you're fishing. Yeah, so we, we fish 10 months of the year. Um, we do still do trips in July and August, but also, um, you know, the water temperatures get pretty high. So if we do catch fish, we actually can't take them out of the water. So as soon as you take them out of the water, they're pretty much done. So, yeah, and it's also, it's, it's a long season, 10 months. So, you know, we, we send the crew home and we refurbish the boats and, you know, we, we like to go fishing ourselves uh, over those uh, those two months. So we, we use it as an excuse and a few reasons, but yeah, pretty much, uh, you know, we start end of August and we run through till about end of June. Nice. And, you know, I got to tell you some of my favorite things to do, which has now become a part of the routine when I go over to Dubai is, is we fish in the morning you, know, you fish till about lunch, you, have, you enjoy lunch. And then uh, I always force you over to ski Dubai because there's nothing like going from, you know, a hundred degree heat to uh, indoor skiing, which, you know, grow, you know, being in Montana, that's what we, what we do. We love skiing. And it's just surreal to step from the, the boat in the heat inside, put on a pair of skis and do the indoor skiing. I mean, you know, environmentally and ecologically, probably the, the grossest thing in the world to be doing. <laughs> but the fact that it's there, you just have to do it. And then, uh, of course, the, the other stuff we always have to make over there is Ravi's Palace. That place is legend. The best Indian food ever. Yeah, so it's 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 quite uh, it's quite amazing. The 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 indoor ski slope obviously is is pretty wild, and um, obviously we've had some great times in there. And you know, walking in with all your fishing gear to sort of uh, gear up. Uh, size up for skis and uh and, and go skiing and then uh ravi's um has been around in dubai for a very long time it's uh obviously an indian restaurant that's uh, you know a lot of the laborers eat there a lot of you know you know vips eat there it's sort of an old part of town so you know and it's recommended that uh those are pretty much two of the the things to do and even if you look in the uh you know the guides to dubai they sort of recommend those things but that's obviously part of what what we've sort of built up and what we enjoy a lot and now yeah, we've We've had some good times doing that. It's just a neat city to spend time in. And, you know, so much of your business, especially on these day trips, um, revolve around people who are traveling through, as we talked about, heading to the Seychelles or other places. Uh, do, you, do you have a local element, though? Do you have regular fishermen that live there and fish with you? Yeah. So that's sort of a very interesting part that started to develop. So we, we try and push the sort of community side. Um, we, we do have um, some local Emirati um Fishman, uh, obviously, Mohammed did the the film with us, and you know, I fished with him, you know, in Russia and and a few other places, and um, so we are pushing that side of it. But also, there's the expat community because about ten percent of the population in in the UAE in Dubai is is Emirati, is local, and about ninety percent is actually expat and Westerners. So there's a lot of people that maybe fished as kids in their home country, fly fish, they enjoy fly fishing, but never knew it was was available. So. Um, we've got a, a little sort of, um, I suppose, club that we call, we call it the Queens of Dubai, um, that, you know, there's 25, 30 of us, you know, we'll meet up, we'll tie flies, we'll talk fishing. We'll, so, you know, it's, it's actually formed a little community now. And obviously there's a few other companies that have, you know, obviously started, uh, doing fly trips. So, you know, it's promoting Dubai, Amman, um, where nothing was promoted before. You know, there's some films being done, you know, there's some articles being done. So for us, it's just amazing that from what we started, and, and I mean, it was never, to be honest, was never started to, okay, we're going to build this whole community and, you know, be ambassadors for fly fishing type thing. It was like, obviously, we wanted to fish ourselves and make a bit of money. And, um, but it, it sort of developed in the way that all of a sudden we turned around and looked at it and goes, yeah, this is, this is pretty amazing. It's happening. You know, it's happening. And it's, people are getting involved and, you know, you're affecting people's lives and, you know, getting them into the fly fishing side. And then we've got all this international element that comes through. So, you know, all these great people and, you know, like most of the guys in Dubai could only read about it and, you know, a magazine they bought and now they're getting to meet, you know, different people. And, you know, so it, it's it's been wonderful. And it's, um, as I said, right in the beginning, it's it's not something that we sort of planned, but it's grown organically. And, um, yeah, I know we're just super proud and happy of it. So. Well, I got to say, one of the things I love about your operation is, you know, you go there and it's not like, oh, well, we've kind of converted this boat from this one purpose into another and we've got a little bit of gear. I mean, the, the stuff you guys have is state of the art. I mean, you've create, you've built boats that are 
ideally set up for fly fishing for queen fish there you've got you know top of the line rods and reels i mean everything you're doing you're doing right and i think that's one of the biggest surprises for people that are passing through they're like man you said that nick and his crew did some fly fishing trips but this is like proper next level fly fishing equipment you know the the way your guides are trained the knowledge you guys have it's the real deal yeah, I mean that's that's one of the the very lucky parts that we've had, and um, you know, in, in the beginning when my, my partner Trevor, he was, you know, we we sat and we we sort of chatted about this a bit, um, and I was pretty adamant. I was like, you know, we we got to if we're going to do it, we have to do it properly. Um, you know, I obviously started coming to iCast and IFTD, and you know, we obviously met, and um, you know, because I suppose there was nothing in that part of the world, like everyone accepted me, like with open arms and I was actually quite taken aback by it you know I was sort of like Jesus everyone's just incredible you know and obviously um you know we we uh, had a lot of help from uh, Thomas and Thomas and you know Neville being a great friend uh, you know got us into that you know and then it was you know Yeti Costa Sims you know all the brands that we sort of like when we came to the US or fished in all these other destinations in the world were sort of the aspirational type brands and well Turned around and thought, well, you know, why can't we do that here? So the whole idea was like, if you step on a boat in the Keys and you step on our boat, it's very similar. You know, you got the same brands, you got the same gear. And the whole idea is, um, you know, a lot of people are traveling to Seychelles, to Tanzania, India, where, you know, you've packed all your gear, you've got everything sort of stashed away. You have to travel fairly light. So, you know, you don't want to start unpacking everything that you've taken a month to pack and just to take a rod. So what our sort of way that we like to look at is we've got top of the line gear that you don't bring your own personal gear onto the boat just for four hours fishing. Um, you know, we've got right hand, left hand, wind, um, we've got all the flies, we've got, you know, lines we clean and, you know, dress the lines every week. We've got all custom tied flies specifically for what we're doing. You know, obviously TNT, you know, Shilton's, you know, Cy Angler, Cortland, it's all, so it's all those brands that, you know, have, have helped us to to provide, I suppose, a service and products on the boat that, you know, um, we're super proud of. And, you know, when the client gets on, he's like, oh, this is sort of better than mine. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, and that's what makes me proud. And uh, the other the other great part with us is we've got some great Sri Lankan crew. Um, so they started off as crew and now they've developed over the last four years into fly fishing guides. As far as we know, they're the first fly, uh, Sri Lankan fly fishing guides that are around. And, you know, these guys get on there. So it's not, you know, it's a little bit different. You're in the Middle East, you're in an Asian sort of basically sort of dominated country. And, you know, you've got the Sri Lankan guys on the boat. So it'll be South Africans, Sri Lankans. And, you know, it's just this awesome mix. But we, we're super proud of how these guys have developed, like the fisheries. So, you know, it's it's just all around has, has you know, been really great for us. And, and these guys are super proud of what they do. And, you know, they're all dressed in their Sims gears and Costa and, you know, they're just gnarly little guys and it's amazing fishermen. So. Well, it, it, and it's legit. I mean, everything about the program is super legit, which is from the get-go what surprised me the most. And uh, and I think people are just blown away every time they fish with you, which is very cool. Now, I know that, you know, kind of the the epicenter of your overall operations for Ocean Active or the, the day trips and all the numbers that you're running through Dubai, but you do have other offerings. You, you talked a little bit about Oman and some of these places. Um what else do you have going on in, in kind of the general region? Tell me a little bit about some of the things that you have, some of the projects that you've been working on and you're continuing to develop. Yeah, so so Oman is obviously this huge coastline that borders onto sort of the northern Indian Ocean, Gulf of Oman. Um, you've got Yemen that's sort of on the south of it where obviously it borders onto the Red Sea, which no one really fishes in that area due to obviously various reasons. Um, and, you know, we, we've pretty much done the whole coastline you know camping exploring and the, the same as when we found musandam in the early years we did the whole you know Amman pretty much just driving finding fish camping and um you know we found some amazing fishing and um we started out in musandam about 15 years ago which was predominantly chasing the big gts and we didn't push the fly fishing side too much because there was no fly fishing in the region but now because dubai is obviously becomes as popular as it is, and we get you know a lot of people that are coming through. Now, obviously, we started promoting the fly fishing on the Amman side as well. So, like Musandam up in the north, um, you pretty much it's 
I suppose, compared to sort of the Middle East fjords of Norway, where it's these huge fjords, big cliffs, um, GTs, milkfish, sails, big queens, but it's not an easy fishery because you've got these huge currents, three, four knots, you know, big cliffs dropping off. So it is a destination if guys want to try and be a little bit more technical that, that we can offer. Um, and then Southern Oman is, um, you know, there's a, a, a few islands down there called the Halaniat Islands, which has you know, these huge GTs. So we used to fish for those quite a bit, but there's uh, obviously a, a, quite a lot of um, permit down there as well, which is the uh, Blocky, the Indo-Pacific and the Africanus. So three different types of permit you have. Uh, it, it, there is yeah, there, there's three um, that we understand, but the the two main target species that you can target regularly are uh, you know the Indo-Pacific, which is the blocky, and then the Africanus, which so one lives on sand and one lives in the rocks. And um, we've started this season uh, a little operation down there, um, where again uh, custom built boats, the same sort of mo as what we do in Dubai. And um, yeah, it's just really cool to be able to offer something that, you know, Dubai is great with the queenfish. Um, it is obviously a, a, a through destination as such, and that'll always be our main focus. But there are these amazing other places that are very close to Dubai that can be accessed through Dubai. So, you know, it's um, it's sort of off the beaten track stuff. Um, it's not, you know, it's not uh, not a big operation by any stretch of the imagination, and it's more we like to call it a, like guerrilla warfare. So it's like up and down the coast, you know, 24 foot boats, custom built, big engine on the back, running, gunning onto beaches, walking beaches. Um, yeah, and you're literally looking for, for permit. We get uh, a, a bream that's uh, only occurs in, in Southern Oman in Yemen. Um, it'll eat crabs, you'll eat poppers, um, you know, big golden trevally, big queenfish, uh, parrots, milkfish. So yeah, a very different fishery. A lot going again. on. A lot going on, and that's very rural. So what I what I love to do is, you know, you come into Dubai, seven star hotels. You go down to Amman, and it's uh, goats and camels, and you know, just the the contrasts are incredible. And and that's that's sort of one of the I suppose the big vibes about it. It's it literally is uh, two polar opposites. Well, we're gonna we're gonna hear a lot more about Oman in the years to come, I'm sure. And and permit anglers, hardcore permit junkies should maybe take note of that because more and more people are starting to pay attention and it's a legit fishery. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's an incredible fishery. It's, um, you know, the Africanus, he lives in the rocks. So he's, he's basically a street fighter. And, uh, I mean, last week I was popped off two fish on 40 pound fluoro where, you know, I went 20, 30, and then eventually on 40, I still popped a fish off because you've got to stop him getting back into the bricks. And, you know, he's, he's living, he's eating mussels and crustaceans in the wash on top of rocks where, you know, on high tide when, you know, the wash comes up and the waves and the swell pushes up. So, you know, you're getting in close. It's quite, you know, you've got to deal with swell and you've got to deal with line management. And, and then that, that fish is used to living, you know, in those rocks. He swims on his side. He, you know, he'll do backflips trying Just to get off the nasty. rocks. And he's a nasty guy and he's all bruised up and marked. And, you know, when, when he, when you, when you come tight on him, he's yeah, all hell breaks loose, and it's, it's dirty. He's just dirty, yeah. and he's he's not. There's nothing clean about him. He's a mix <laughs> between a GT and uh, yeah, I don't know. He's 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 a power pack. That yeah. Well, you know, a lot of people think of Oman. They think of the Straits over there. They think of that just that part of the world geopolitically, and and you know, at least from this part of the world, there there are some security concerns. Um, what's the reality of that over there? Yeah, I mean, there's there's obviously a, a lot in the news, and there's the reality. There's obviously conflict in the area. Um, we fished the Straits of Hormuz for 15 years. That's obviously a part of where a lot of the action, I suppose, has taken place. Um, a lot of that's offshore. Um, a lot of that is obviously, you know, there's military involved and navies and that where, where we fish is a lot of, of it is inshore. Um, you know, Touchwood, we've never had any incidents. Um, I've traveled, camped on beaches, literally on every beach in Amman, um, Dubai, where I've never had someone approach me, threaten me. Um, I take my kids, you know, we camp, um, literally just drive along, find a nice beach and camp. Um, the the Amanis are most probably the friendliest people I've ever come across. Um, you know, if you're camping on a beach or you're fishing, guys will come up and, you know, offer you fish, offer you to come on their boat, come to the house for tea. Um, you know, it, it's, and they're very proud people. So, you know, for me, um, there is an element of news that I think is, 
you know, <laughs> it, it is a bit hectic and, you know, they show maybe the negative side a bit more than they, they could show some of the positive side. But, you know, that's not my game. And it's, uh, you know, we just promote what we know and, and what we do. And like I said, for us, there's, if there ever was an incident, then, you know, we'd reconsider on, on how it is and that. But we, we speak a lot to the Coast Guards and, you know, the military. And, you know, there's, uh, it's, yeah, we, we've, we fish there very comfortably. And, um, yeah, I think it's, uh, it's, again a new place a new region you know the what we love about it is there is a negative connotation about some of the things in the region um and it's i suppose one of our jobs to show otherwise and especially in our industry and our community is you know we love what we do we love the place we live you know we've made it our home and uh you know we wouldn't have done that if we didn't have all the confidence in the world in the area uh, that's really well said and you know that's one of the great things about fly fishing is not just the places that it takes you but the barriers it can break down you know you read the news you tune turn tune into the 24-hour cable news machine that's just constantly you know talking about doom and gloom and all the negativity and the danger and the overhyping of this that and the other but you know fly fishing breaks down barriers and it takes you to places that you otherwise might not go and certainly you you're exposed to you know new situations and people that are just wonderful and that is really one of the greatest things about destination angling and in this part of the world, that's certainly no exception. I mean, that's that's what it's about. Yeah, and it's it's definitely what it's about. And uh, you know, the the fly fishing side is is definitely broken a lot of barriers for us, put us in a lot of places in in Amman, Dubai, where we would never have been, and made contacts that we would never ever had from you know federal level all the way down to you know someone that's pretty much cleaning the marinas and cleaning up old fish, and you know everyone's interested in fishing and. You know the fly fishing side obviously is new for us, and it's just broken this whole whole new world for us. And obviously, a lot of the community from you know manufacturers and you know like yourselves has has uh, helped us to develop something that we're super proud of, and it literally has broken barriers for us that um, we'd never been able to do ourselves, and I suppose in any other sort of uh, role that we could have worked in. So what we need to do is just. Send a container load of nine weights to Iran, and then everything will calm down. It'll uh, just be that easy. Once they start to fish, they'll be happy. Yeah, I mean the Iranians—they uh, <laughs> they fish like like the Amanis do, and I mean they people of the sea. Yeah. yeah, and that's what it boils down to. So I'm sure get a few rods across there, and we we all good. <laughs> <laughs> just that simple. We just solved it all right here. <laughs> the whole done, geopolitical <laughs> and regional problems—we've solved it through fly fishing. Well, so last question I have for you, and this is uh, something that was directed uh, from some of your your oaks in South Africa. They said, "Man, you got to ask Nick about his his slambu mission, his <laughs> uh, his his mission to to slam using nothing but bamboo rods. What is this all about?" Yeah, I mean that it was. Uh, something quite special and um it it started for a few reasons like i said my grandfather taught me on uh taught me how to fly fish on fresh water on his bamboo rods um his split cane rods and um i'd never never really thought about it too much until i, I came we fished in Apalachicola, and uh, tnt had obviously started bringing out the sextant and you know they were not bringing it out there obviously developed it and um keith rosinus he was using their 12 weight and landed 12 weight bamboo rod 12 weight bamboo rod yep that's what i sort of said as well and i was like you know we we're all sitting there and this rod came out and uh, i was like cheapers okay is this for real and um the next day he went out and he landed 120 pounder didn't get into the backing he stopped it and rolled it and so I was like, "Cheapers, okay, maybe maybe he's just a much better fisherman than me." But uh, it 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 sort of piqued my interest, and we started speaking a lot about it. Obviously, spoke to Nev, to Keith, um, to Troy. Obviously, you know, he's the he's the master. He's I suppose the the master craftsman behind. He builds um, all the bamboo for Thomas and Thomas. Yeah. yeah. So you know, met him at the show. We we came to the IFTD show after that when I was in Orlando. Um, they had a casting day, so you know, started casting the rods, and I turned to Neville. I said, you know. I'd, I want one. Yeah, this is this is this is something I've, I've got a mission, and so um, we got it back, the rod back to Dubai, and caught a couple of queens. And I was like, oh, this this can actually work. Um, and then we were lucky; we had quite a few trips lined up for that season. Um, uh, a stove in Seychelles. Um, then it was uh, we were fishing the Keys um, during the IFTD show, and then I was going to fish Panoy in Russia. So obviously sitting around was probably having too much, uh, too many splashes of happiness one night, and I was like, "This is what I want to do. I want to, uh, I want to take this rod with me, 
and I'm going to catch a, a GT, um, catch a queenfish in Dubai. Um, sorry, a, a GT and a stove in Seychelles, a queenfish in Dubai, um, a tarpon in, um, in the Keys, and a Atlantic salmon in, in Russia. Obviously, uh, you know, all, some, on some, bamboo rod. all on a bamboo rod in one season. So uh, quite a bit of laughter around and um, that. But anyway, I packed the rods and off we went to a stove. And yeah, I think the GT was sort of my main concern. Um, and luckily in the lagoon there, I got a, you know, a 94 centimeter on 20 pound leader and a crab. I actually thought it was a permit that water in the lagoon was so white. And we actually we were fishing for permit and I, I put in the crab and, you know, this thing just exploded. And it was the, you know, this awesome GT and fought it in that shallow water landed it and you know that that's when i was like okay this this is game on now obviously the queen fish i got in dubai um you know got uh, a nice tarpon in the keys um yeah i got a 50 60 pounder and then i got a 115 pounder um and then the last one was going to panoy and obviously panoy being was probably one of the you know amazing destination to catch an atlantic salmon or two um yeah i managed to get the atlantic salmon as well and so you did it did it and uh, the name Slamboo came up and it's uh, yeah so uh, slam it on bamboo was was done and uh, yeah I was super proud of that and pretty much I named the rod after my grandfather who taught me how to fish so that was uh, one for him and yeah so it was was pretty pretty special. There can't be very many people in the world that have ever done that, if any. I mean, that puts you on this, the level of like Lee Wolf, I think, the way he used to fish. But that's pretty cool. Sure, I, I don't know. It was just you know. Something that uh, came along and happened, and you know, it, it, it had the rod uh, made, and you know, whether it worked or not. But I think I put myself in the right place, and you know, having great guides and you know all these great destinations to to be able to target those fish was obviously a huge part of it. And you know, lucky right place, right time, and uh, yeah, that well was super done. Special. That, that's a pretty cool angling accomplishment. <laughs> well, you know, I, I would just offer these closing thoughts, and I'm so appreciative of you sitting down with us today, Nick, and talking to us about the you know, kind of the evolution of your operations over there, how it started and, and what you're offering. But, you know, anybody that is planning a trip over to, you know, the Seychelles, Africa, India, um, if it's taking you through Dubai, you have got to go and fish with Ocean Active. It is that good. It's that legit. It's so different and unusual, but so well done. And uh, I just compliment you on, on putting together such an amazing program and, and congrats on all the success. No, I appreciate that. And it's uh, wonderful to be able to sit down and obviously discuss this with you it's another part in our journey to sort of promote dubai and what we're doing and just very appreciative of you know like yourself and obviously yellow dog and all the people that have supported us through you know through this journey and um long may it last well more to come for sure we got a lot of years ahead of us and, <laughs> definitely and it's been great but uh, that's it for this episode of waypoints the podcast that is always dedicated to travel adventure and exploration be sure to visit yellowdogflyfishing.com to plan and research your next fishing trip Sign up for newsletters and new podcasts, and of course, stay up to date on the latest travel news and developments. Join us for our next episode, and remember that life is short and the list of great destinations is long. No one ever regretted a life of adventure. This has been another episode of Waypoints, the podcast of fly fishing travel and adventure angling. Thank you for joining us, and be sure to visit yellowdogflyfishing.com for more trip updates travel news, expert advice, and adventure profiles.